Hi guys, it's a celeb studded episode today. Did that make sense? I feel like I stuttered. <laughs> talking about Brian Cranston. <laughs> We're going to be talking about uh, Woody Harrelson, Katy Perry, and Dion Sanders. Let's get into it. Welcome in and happy Monday, guys. Hope you guys had a fantastic weekend. I was chilling at home all weekend, and I gotta be honest, watching, uh, re-watching through the ABC show Revenge. I don't know if you guys have ever heard of that show before, but it is fantastic. I'm obsessed with it. It's like a very, you know, sort of simplistic old school revenge story and one of those times where ABC was really knocking it out of the park. So that's what I spent my weekend doing. Taylor's here. What's up? Taylor, how'd you spend your weekend? Um, I went and hung out with family. And what did I watch? I watched The Last of Us, the latest episode of that. So I've been following. <sighs> I need to get on good. it. I need to get on it. This The guy, I, I went to Sweet Green and was getting a salad made. And this guy was like, have you seen The Last of Us? And he just asked me out of nowhere while he was making my stuff. And I'm like, you know what? No, I haven't. So I guess I must. If the guy at Sweet Green says I have to watch it. Yeah, my, my brother said that they absolutely loved it, but I haven't gotten into it yet either. Okay, so we'll keep you guys posted on it. I, I will watch it. If it's if it's good, it's good. So I'll have to give it a watch. Now, speaking of acting and TV, we have a lot of different actors coming to the forefront on today's episode. We're going to be first talking about Woody Harrelson, who hosted SNL and had this very spectacular moment in his monologue where he referenced a certain pandemic that we all experienced. Let's watch. Okay, so the movie goes like this. The biggest drug cartels in the world get together and buy up all the media and all the politicians and force all the people in the world to stay locked in their homes and people can only come out if they take the cartel's drugs and keep taking them over and over. I threw the script away. <laughs> I mean, who is gonna believe that crazy idea? <laughs> I love Woody Harrelson because he just gives me vibes of like a crazy uncle who just says all the stuff that he thinks. But he's right. He's very much right. He's the crazy uncle that nobody pays attention to, but is actually just planting seeds of truth everywhere he goes. And, he know, you know, he sort of walks around barefoot and you're like, I don't know what's going on there. But he's actually so right. So right. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of like that. You're like, how is this guy famous? How is this guy a famous actor? He's kind of weird looking, but you know, he was in White Man Can't Jump, but apparently, White Man can drop truth bombs on SNL because that's totally what he did. <laughs> it is, and he's pointed out something that so many people are so scared to say. You know, maybe we didn't need to lock ourselves down. Maybe what we went through through that entire pandemic was uh, an effort amongst many groups of elite people working together to keep themselves elite and to keep you down below following all the rules and regulations that they put out at any given moment. And yes, you could liken Big Pharma to drug cartels. They come into these industries, they take over, they become giants and sometimes monopolies, and then they control everything you do, think and feel and all the medication that you take in, just like they tried to do with the old jabity jab stabity stab i don't know what we call it on youtube these days anymore without getting taken down but i'm calling it the jabity jab stabity stab so that's where we're going from here on out it's probably a safe word for it yeah jabity jab stabity stab uh <laughs> trademarked <laughs> but that is essentially what they are they're like drug cartels it's really no different although they have a lot more money and they advertise it and they package it up really cute and they say sponsored by pfizer before they shove the message down your throats and what i think is just so chef's kiss sweet about what Woody Harrelson did on SNL is that he did it on SNL. Throughout the entire pandemic, we were covering Saturday Night Live and showing some of the just monstrosity sketches that they were putting out, making fun of people like us, making fun of those who were skeptics, making fun of those who thought, hey, maybe the government should not have this power over us and certainly not our bodies and the medical treatments that we opt in and out of. And SNL decided we hate you for that. We hate those people. And maybe they don't actually hate us. Maybe they're just sponsored by Pfizer. But it's neither here nor there. The message came through 
crystal clear. We do not like you. We do not like what you stand for. You are conspiracy theorists. You are stupid. You have no knowledge. You're not following the science. And let's just wrap it up in some pretty little comedy sketch with our, you know, HG cameras. Throw it out on TV Saturday night for you. And you can have a little laugh at yourself. Except nobody was laughing. Only the people who agreed with them. Only the people who wanted to lock you down. Only the people who wanted to force you to get the jab. Only the people who thought that you were grandma killers were laughing at SNL, which is probably why their ratings tanked. So to have Woody Harrelson hop on the stage and say, you know what, in my monologue, let's acknowledge a truth that we haven't been able to acknowledge for a few years now. And let's call it like it is. Big pharma or drug cartels. They held you down. They kept you down. They forced your medic- their medications on you. And then they raked in all the money much like a drug cartel does and he may as well be he may very well be a crazy uncle who walks around barefoot but he's right absolutely right here and this is not the first time that he's made statements like this let's take a look at uh bill maher's podcast which i believe is called club random where he talks about Two medications in particular. We will not say their names. The, the, the medications that uh, shall not be named, I guess. Let's hear. Is the CDC promoting that we have to do all of these things, right? I just, I don't like profiteering in war. There's those bare you know? feet. Right. Think of the billions <laughs> of dollars that have gone to big pharma. But I'm, I was getting back to my original point. The last people I would trust with my health is big pharma and big government because neither one of those strike me as caring entities. Spoken as the perfect redneck hippie. (laughs) Really, if that message doesn't... They're all about profit. Exactly. They're all about profit. And both sides know that. And it's obscene the profit they've made. I think they've done a lot of studies about vitamin D and how important it was when the people who had low levels, they were much more um, vulnerable to COVID. Why not tell people that? Can't yeah. you make money selling vitamin D? Is it that kind of, what's the well, worst that could but, happen? But that's just it, man. There was only one thing, you know, ivermectin got made into a, you know, horse tranquilizer, uh, a horse, whatever it is. Which it is, but one, also one, one, used one, by humans. Uh, it's used by millions and millions, millions of humans. Uh, hydroxychloroquine got uh, made ridiculous. Um and there was only one thing that could work, and that's the vaccine, right? And so ultimately, because of that, billions of dollars was made. <laughs> Tens seat. of billions of dollars was made. Tens of billions of dollars was made. I love that this podcast is just people getting drunk and high together and <laughs> just saying the things that they think. <laughs> what a wonderful yeah, I format. Say, I don't know if he just talks like he's drunk and high, but he's definitely talking like he's drunk and high. He kind of does. Uh, That's kind of Woody Harrelson's thing in in the recent movies. I just watched Triangle of Sadness, uh, which he was in as the the captain of a a yacht that ends up sinking. And he's talking exactly like that. And he plays an alcoholic in the film. So it's it's fitting. But much of what he said there is just so true and it's so crazy that it takes somebody like him to say it you have to go oh i already have a platform and i have a career and i'm already beloved by all for the most part and people like to see me now it's okay for me to say what i truly think and even then you you sort of have to tiptoe around the subject if you want to maintain a a sense of celebrity among house the household and after he was on SNL and did this whole monologue. Just that 30 second clip alone went super viral. It got like 5 million views on Twitter alone. And now all these publications are calling him a conspiracy theorist and saying that he is popularizing conspiracy theories. (laughs) Are you kidding me? Are you are you joking? Because at what point can we recognize that none of what he said is a conspiracy? It's simple truth. It is what happened. Didn't the New York Times just come out with a, with an article saying that we were wrong about masks and that masks at a population level basically had no effect? That was just this past week. And then several weeks ago, I think the 
Atlantic had an article where they were like, let's just declare pandemic amnesty, guys. We know we locked down the schools and kept you guys in your houses and applied this one fits one size fits all approach to how to treat this and shamed anyone for suggesting other possible treatments. And, you know, we, we know we've been shaming every half of America and just trying to institute all these authoritarian measures, but let's just call pandemic amnesty. And now that it's like the New York Times is posting this, uh, Harrelson is able to say this on SNL, but it's like so many of us were screaming this for two years, two and a half years, uh, while from from the very beginning, and just being treated like uh, we're the crazy people. And the it's kind of like a, a gaslighting now to like two and a half years later be like, uh, you know, oh, I mean, well, we we couldn't have known, and oh, the lab leak, we just found out about this. We we didn't just find out about any of this stuff. We everyone has known so much of this for so long, but there was such a concerted effort to silence all the voices. And I think that's another part of this conversation that Woody, I'm sure would agree with, but didn't get into is, you know, there, there was not only suppressing alternative treatments and pushing the one size fits all vaccine is the only way to treat this, but there was the the silencing and the on social media and just the inability to even speak about other things to this day, even Amelie, you, you had to use a, you know, the, the jabity jab instead of just right. saying the, the vaccine, because we're still literally not sure what, how, how YouTube is camping down on, on their algorithms on people who talk about this stuff. So it, it, it gets you angry again when you hear this stuff, you know, it's, it's, it's so tiresome because for so long it's like COVID, 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 we didn't want to talk about it anymore. It's just like, whatever. But then as soon as you're reminded, like Woody said, we lived through the plot of a movie that you couldn't even believe because it's so insane. And, you know, for many of us, the years of our lives were, were taken or from, for, from young children in school and just, you know, so much horrendous damage was done. And, you know, we're not, hold, are we going to hold China accountable? Are we going to hold the, the Pfizer accountable? Are we going to hold the people who made these decisions to fund this research accountable? Uh, I hope so. And we have Probably to talk not. about it in order to do so as tired as we are. Yeah, we, we definitely won't. And I love that the excuse, the common excuse is so we were so confused. We did not know what was going on. It's like, we were so confused and did not know. So we locked you down. We mass policed you. We forced you guys not to go to school. We sent dogs after you in some countries, horses trampling people in the streets. We closed some of your bank accounts like they did in Canada because we were confused. What do you mean? I do very extreme things when I'm confused. <laughs> like It's just unbelievable. But, okay, you know, like two, three years later, now you're able to get on SNL and say it and really begrudgingly because people did not want to hear him say that. You could hear sort of the hushed tones around the crowd. They were certainly not laughing as they normally would for somebody giving their SNL monologue. But like I said, kudos to Woody Harrelson for going out there. And I should say he's a moderate. He's somebody who's left on some issues and right on the others. And it's so wonderful to see somebody like him come to the forefront and say, hey, this is my opinion on it. Take it. I'm on the stage. I get to say what I want to say, take it or leave it. And he's going to be, a, at least this moment is a force in people recognizing it. Because when you do sit in the center like that and then you do make a statement and say, you know what, this thing, here's where I'm at. People go, oh, do you guys hear what Woody Harrelson just said? That's actually kind of crazy. Let me look into it. And you might have to, you know, guide yourself through the many publications calling him a conspiracy theorist. But there's a lot to be found once you do wade through those waters. Now, let's move on to another beloved actor by the name of Brian Cranston, who is explaining why he hates the phrase, make America great again. And we're also going to react to him being on Bill Maher Club Random, talking about the very same thing. Bill Maher is uh, coming in hot with these guests. So let's hear about it. Let's hear what Brian Cranston has to say. I will say, I think Brian Granston's a great guy. I think he's seems super sweet. Obviously, I don't know him personally. He seems like for the most part, he's got a good head on his shoulders and he loves what he does. And he seems like a very kind man. He seems like he loves his wife quite a bit. Uh, but let's hear his take on Make America Great Again. How did we get to a point where we treated other human beings as slaves and, and we're okay with that? When I, mm -hmm. when I see the the make America great again, my comment is, do you, do, you, do you accept that that could possibly be construed as a racist remark? And most people, a lot of people go, how could that be racist? Make America great again? I, I said, so just ask yourself from, from an African-American experience, when was it ever great in America for the African-American? 
When was it great? So if you're making it great again, it's not including them. Hmm. So it's, it's to teach us in the woke world to open up and, and accept the possibilities that our privilege has created blind spots for us. And maybe I haven't seen what is really happening yet in all my years. You know, I am so sympathetic towards the view that he just expressed. However, it is so wrong for so many reasons. And it's wrong for something that he gets into right in the middle of that phrase, where when he asks people, could you see how that could be construed as a racist phrase? They go, no, what do you mean? What do you mean make America great again is racist? You see that shock that he just naturally put into that phrase? It's because nobody truly thinks that when they're supporting make America great again, they're supporting racism. There might be some fringe people, of course, who are super, super extremists who think that's what that means. But nobody, for the most part, really believes that they are supporting racism when they support that. And the argument that he makes of, you know, black people were enslaved or they were oppressed or we went through Jim Crow. And when you say make America great again, you are advocating to a return to that legislation and that discrimination. That would be wrong. We don't talk about the great things that the founding fathers did and say, you know, I want to emulate some of the fantastic things the founding fathers did. And then somebody goes, well, you know, they didn't have electricity back then. So you'll be getting rid of electricity. (laughs) That's not how it works. You don't take all of the bad things with all of the good things from the time period that you are advocating for. You just simply go, hey, something was going right there. Families were doing well there. Less people were on welfare. Why don't we go back to those times where we sort of had some congruency around what our values were, what our traditions are, what we are fighting for, what we want our kids to emulate and grow up to be? Why don't we take whatever was happening positively at that time and emulate it again in the modern age. You don't go, oh, well, in in 1960, we still had Jim Crow going on, but I guess I'll take that along with the nuclear family and we'll just mix them all together and put them back in 2023. (laughs) Nobody's like, oh, I guess, you know, to get bread costs down, we got to go, you know, uh, separate the the water fountains again. That's not what they're saying. They're just saying we want the stuff that was going well. Right. And he started his whole tirade by saying, you know, how did we get to the point that we had slavery in this country? It's like literally every country in history had slavery. So we got to the point uh, to that point by being a normal country in history. The better question is, how did we fight a war to end slavery and how did we uh, establish a country that's built on ideals that caused us to be called out by the likes of MLK during the civil rights movement uh, to live up to the very ideals that we espoused. And, you know, if, uh, if Brian's ideology was improving things uh we wouldn't be seeing like the the graph that i sent you on twitter uh today amala it's a a Mm -hmm. gallup poll saying would you say relations between white and black people are improved somewhat good or very bad in 2001 it was like 70 percent were saying yes it's good and now it's 43 uh down all the way down to 43%. So like what almost 30% drop in the span of 20 years of the positivity about people's outcomes. And what does that correlate with? Uh, That correlates with the rise of wokeism. It's, it's gone off a cliff since about 2012, 2013 has race relations really deteriorated that badly, or is this ideology just causing so much grievances and doing the undoing the previous work that we had done. And we all know it like comedy was better. The nation was less divided, less, polarized, you know, back before all this woke ideology took over, where we're constantly having to, you know, rehash the issues of, of slavery, the fact that it existed and, and stare at that and amplify that and just have this self-hatred for America, you know, when when before we could say, yes, let's acknowledge the past, but let's look together at, you know, the, the values that we share. Let's look together at building a, a democratic society with liberty and justice for all. Let's look together at what America aspires to be and believe in that together and build that world together, despite 
despite our past failings, that's a much better message that people can unite around. And then and when you have that vision, shared vision, that your differences kind of minimize and people can rally around that. But as long as we're promoting this, you know, navel gazing, self-hatred, let's never move past this and white people need to acknowledge their privilege and black people need to know that they're victims and all this ideology is just it's not progress. And I sh- you shouldn't be able to say all this stuff under the banner of progress because it's not. It's not at all. And he again made this statement uh, with Bill Maher and Club Random. We're going to react to that and see what Bill Maher had to say in response. The president. Let me ask you a question. Yeah. When you look at this guy's hat, make America great again. What do you think about that? Sweetheart, nobody has made more fun of Donald Trump than I. I know. So uh, you, you can't you. get me on like, I like Donald Trump. I'm I don't not like saying Don- that. Okay. I'm not saying and that. And I get your point. I've said it myself. Yes, make America great again. I understand to a certain number of people, that's a dog whistle about America was better when it was whiter. I get that. Okay. But I, I will, would you then also accept that there's a large swath of people in his camp and other people like him who have no clue that that's a dog whistle, that they think, oh, yeah, make America great again is for everyone. But when was it great? Let me ask you this. Let me ask you this. I know. Oh, God. I mean, make yeah. it a big sigh. Come on. No, no. When was it great for, for African-Americans in this country? When was it great? Well, if you're applying for college now, I would say now. So in our history... Now, it's great. I didn't say great. It's never great for anybody fully. Never great for anybody? Well, life is full of problems. So great, you know, yes, if your life is great, you're very lucky. Most people would not say my life is great. Would you say your life is great? I also just want to reject this premise that black people are just always suffering through all of time up until this very moment. It is not true at all. And to think that people have this view that we've just been drudging through suffering all of our lives and all of our existence up until what, like five years ago or something like that. It's not true and just it sounds so belittling to me to hear that that's the case of course black people had struggles those were legislated struggles there were struggles of slavery but to think that nobody had any great life in between those things or after those things is bullshit (laughs) it's bullshit (laughs) and i just can't believe that's that is truly how people view black people when you talk to them about racial issues and politics they truly go well you know This is the first time that black people have ever had opportunities ever. This is the first time that black people have been given the stage to do something great. And even when black people did something great in the past, they had to, you know, wade through all these horrible, horrific, uh, you know, things that were being thrown in their face, all this judgment, all this discrimination. That very well may be true for many black people who live through these times. But it is not to say that no black person ever had a great life through all of history. My goodness. And you know better than me, Amala, but, you know, wasn't it prior to the Lyndon Johnson's Great Society programs and the welfare state, the institution of that, that black families and the black population was much better off in terms of uh, the nuclear family, uh, marriage rates, divorce rates, uh, the the educational outcomes, prison uh, rates. Like there's, there are many metrics under which black people had it better uh, before a lot of these uh, progressive policies were instituted. So it's also worth noting. Now that doesn't negate obviously like the existence of Jim Crow during that time. But, you know, again, it's, it's taking such a broad brush look at the past and just saying it's all bad up until year zero, whenever I was enlightened with wokeism and everything else has been, you know, nothing until everyone thinks the way that I do about how to move forward. Yeah, it's totally true. There were so many black people who were meaning success metrics based on like what economists look at uh, during the time prior to Lyndon B. Johnson and prior to the social welfare state and all these things. And even after that, there were many black people who were doing fine, staying in nuclear families, creating businesses, all that jazz. So to just sweep that under the rug and then go, they've been suffering all this time. And then I'm not accusing Brian Cranston of this, but the people who come forward and they're like, now we're going to uplift black people and let's do it by like talking about rap artists and athletes and and talking about Nicki Minaj and Cardi B, because that that's what uplifts black people. I encourage all of those people to like read, read Tumsel and discrimination and disparities start there if that's a narrative that is 
has a stronghold on your brain at the moment because it once had a stronghold on mine you will find that there were black people and for the most part we're split between northern and and southern black people and northern black people spoke in you know plain regular english staying in nuclear families creating business generating income and southern blacks were stereotyped i won't even say stereotyped archetypally were broken english did a lot of drugs were committing crimes and leading a lifestyle that was not going to bring about success when southern blacks started to migrate north they were actually getting letters to the government to the governance of these areas from northern blacks saying please y'all if you're gonna migrate here please take on our customs please speak normally please do not commit crimes please do not do drugs and certainly do not encourage our youth to do the same in this area because we're leading pretty good lives here and now you're coming and injecting this culture into our community that is not helpful for our community and now we're like megan b meg the stallion cardi b <laughs> like this is black excellence black power Dwayne wade and gabrielle union who are transing their child that's black power oh gosh good lord i could talk about this for a very long time but i won't <laughs> let's continue watching yes i would yeah <laughs> okay yeah. i yeah. mean i would uh yeah i mean and and a lot of it has, i'm glad for you it, uh, and i've been privileged yes do you believe in in white privilege i i like the word advantage better because okay. advantage, advantage is broader. Here's the reason why. When you say advantage, now, have I had advantages, especially growing up in, you know, being, a, again, we were born the same year, 1956. If you're born in that year, yes, you were a young person in the 80s. Probably in the 80s, um, you know, could, uh, like I have been up for a job at a comedy club when I was working little comedy clubs, and there was a, a black comedian, and they gave it to me instead because they thought, I would do better being a white comedian or that sure. they were just maybe had racism in them. Yes, I think that probably could have happened. And that was wrong. Again, I didn't do it. I, can't, I mean, we can't all I'm not be... saying you're doing it. It's no, just no, no, recognizing I'm just, that it exists. I, 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 yeah. I don't think I should be even questioned that I'm someone who doesn't yes. recognize that it exists. Right. I have a pretty good record of, yeah. of speaking on the right side of civil rights issues. I just like to be real about where we are. And where we are is not where we were. And mm. some people seem literally reluctant. It seems like they, they feel like the, the worse I think things are, the better person I am. Mm. Let's just stop it right there. <laughs> That's a brilliant place to, to end on their little conversation. The worse that I think things are, the better person that I am. It's 100% uh, a lot of what is driving how people think now. And I say that because I thought that way. The worse that I think things are, the better that I am. The more people that I get to argue with, the more virtue that I can show on myself, the, the greater the badge of honor that I wear for standing and uh, promoting these issues and promoting progress out of said issues. It's 100% how a lot of people feel. So much so that when you go and talk to some people and maybe debate left-leaning college students or, or left-leaning podcasters on the issue, it's almost an area of them wanting to be wanting it to be true. Like they they lose something if this is in fact not true, and, and instead of gaining the fact that they live in a far more progressive society society than they're willing to give credit, and that's kind of wild to me, but not so wild because you know that that was me. Now, speaking of blackness and privilege and all these different discussions we're having surrounding race, Dion Sanders, uh, who play for play for who? Come on. Yo, yo, oh, the Cowboys. Cowboys. Oh, yeah, the Cowboys. <laughs> okay. Cowboys and uh, Atlanta Falcons. Cowboys and Atlanta Falcons. Thank you for. And he played in the MLB, any, too. Any sports admission. Okay, perfect. Yeah, yeah. Very, very athletic man. <laughs> very, very athletic Prime man. Time. He's now taking on coaching. Uh, and a lot of people love Deion Sanders, not only for his athletic history, but for his values. And we've covered Deion Sanders on this very show before. I did an episode where he spoke to uh, the kids that he was coaching in football. Why did I say it like football? <laughs> in football, uh, after, no, after uh, takeoff was shot and killed. And he spoke to these students which with such strength and with such conviction, saying, you know what? 
we are here because you are excellent, because you have talent in the game that we are playing day in and day out, that you are training for day in and day out. And I don't want you to lose your life staring down the end of a gun. So let's come here. Let's work hard. Let's play the game. And I want you to each day go back to your hotel, stay at the hotel and come back for practice the next day. Be safe, make good decisions. And he said, there's too many of us that are getting wrapped up in a bunch of stuff we don't need to get wrapped up in, wrapped up in gang activity and drugs and violence and all these things. And we lose our lives when there's so much passion, there's so much talent and there's so much drive within our bodies. And we should not use that to a negative end. And that video went semi-viral, not as viral as it should have been because it's a message that is dearly needed. But now Deion Sanders, of course, is getting viral because he said something that people don't like. And this has 4.2 million views. Let's listen to it and see if we can figure out what's wrong with what he said. Backs are different. Yeah. We want mother, father, you know, dual parent. Mm -hmm. We want that kid to be three, five and up because he's got to be smart. Mm -hmm. um, not bad decisions off the field. Uh, at all mm -hmm. because he has to be a leader of men. It's so many different attributes and what we look for. Uh, physical, I mean, offensive line. My defense line is totally opposite. What do you mean? Single mama. <laughs> 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 wow. Trying to get it. Uh, he's on free lunch. I mean, like, uh, uh, I mean, I'm talking about just trying to make it. He's trying to rescue mama. Like, mama barely made the flight. Okay, so that went viral. And here's the uh, tweet that I found it. Uh, Dion ain't the only coach who think this way, sadly, but it hurts more when coming from black man. <laughs> Another disappointing step in his journey. So people are disappointed by this because Dion essentially said, if I'm looking for a quarterback, I'm looking for somebody who's got their life together, their families together. I want a high GPA. I want them making good decisions and I want them already in positions of leadership outside of the sport. If I'm looking for a defensive lineman, I'm... Typically finding a kid who has a single mom is not really all put together. He's on free lunch at, in, in high school and, you know, he's just barely making it by because his mama's, you know, trying to work and trying to provide for him, but is barely making it to the flights and to the meetings that I need him at. And that's where we find our defensive linemen. And people laughed and chuckled and ha ha ha. And here's the question. Is Dion stereotyping or is he archetyping? And if you'll look at probably any sport, any any major sport where you see a lot of, of black athletes, so we'll, we'll start with the NFL and the NBA, I would gather, I'm going to go out on a limb here and say that you could find these archetypes, not stereotypes where he's just throwing, casting something out and painting a broad brush of people, but you would find these archetypes of where, yeah, if you're going to be a defensive lineman, you might be... Uh, a little bit more towards the aggressive side, the assertive side, and that might be fostered by the environment that you grew up in as being a young man with a single mother, having a harder time making it through things, struggling with income, struggling through school, and this is where you, you shine aggressively and assertively out on the field, defensive lineman. Whereas you, when you are a quarterback, and a whole team of people is reliant on you. You have to strategize internally and then communicate that strategy to other people to make sure that they show up, that they are motivated, that they are where they need to be. When you throw out the ball, you probably want to have a history of leadership, of strategy, of structure, of a regimen. And that's something that typically comes with a two-parent household. <laughs> and to think that that's somehow racist to say from Deion Sanders, who is very familiar with the black community, works often and painstakingly with black children to be a strong black role model for them. To think that he's somehow saying this in a negative light or should be called out for being racist towards his own race or having harbored internalized racism is, again, BS. He's just pointing out archetypes that anybody could see if they had their eyes open, which goes to show that people don't have their eyes open on this issue. They're not fully aware of how parents affect the way that you turn out. They're not fully aware of what single parent households can bring about both negative and positive. They're not fully aware of what black communities look like. And if anybody's aware, it's Deion Sanders. If anybody knows what is driving young black men either to success or the exact opposite of that, it's Deion Sanders. <laughs> so how could you hate on him for this statement? Just how?
Yeah. And there's also the fact that he never mentioned race in his entire speech. So if you're listening to Dion and you're injecting race into how you're interpreting that as racist, then who's really the racist in that situation? He's just correlating, you know, a a two parent household is more likely to produce a leader. He didn't inject race into the conversation in that. And this is reminds me of like in our culture now, there's this uh, pervasive idea that's trying to get into schools. And, you know, the critical race theory, we saw that, I think, at a Smithsonian uh, Institute display in in D.C. that, you know, objectivity is white supremacy and hard work and showing up on time. Those are things to associate with whiteness. And it's like, no, those are just uh, things that correlate with success. Our friend Vince Dow uh, just went viral in one of those vice debates because uh, he was talking about Asian families and how successful Asian families, uh, well, they outperform Asians, outperform in schools because they have a strong nuclear family, because their families, you know, reward and have a strong culture of hard work ethic and things like that. And he's like, it's not it's not a racial thing to acknowledge that it's just hey certain uh attitudes and certain things correspond to better outcomes and he for dion you know sports is all about competition you have to have it's merciless you have to have the best qualified person for the job in every possible role and part of that role of a quarterback is you need someone who's a leader you need someone who's responsible you need someone who has their stuff together and is going to study hard and know the playbook better than anyone else Scott actually played football, so he can speak to this better than me. But uh, it's just there's no room for error in that competitive environment because you're at a disadvantage. And that's just the reality of the situation. So kudos to Dion for being in touch with reality, with how he's leading his team and uh, being aware of the the factors that generally contribute to success. He's got to because, again, he's accountable to he's going to lose his job if he doesn't put the best product on the field that he can. And if he doesn't have high standards as possible for his quarterback position for every position, uh, then you know th- he's going to put a subpar product on the field. And that works when you're pa- you know, passing kids to get into woke uh, humanities departments and schools, but it doesn't work on the football field. And uh, that's a metaphor for real life. It is. And he spoke to it. And I, yeah, I just can't see how this got 4.2 million views. <laughs> it's just unbelievable. Mm-hmm. What's what's crazy is he actually said this on the Pat McAfee show probably a month ago. Mm-hmm. Um, and the fact that it's only getting traction now is crazy because he, he said literally verbatim the same exact thing, made the same exact points. And a, again, he never brought race into it when he originally said it. Yeah. Um, and I, all of his actions have shown that that's not that's not his main focus. He wants to be a role model for young men at large mm-hmm. um, in that role as a head coach. Um, you know, young 18 year old men, they're they're in an environment where they want to be challenged. And he is he has shown that he's he's willing to be that that challenger for them to help mold them and and guide them in, in their life. Um, and, he, you know, he's he's gone on to say multiple things about how to treat women, um, you know, with with decorum and, and, and properly and uh, with respect. And he, he's you know, he's he's said some great things and he's also done that in his life you know he was at the top of the top he yeah. was everyone knew Dion and they still do uh, because he was that electric and um, you know the fact that he is showing uh, these young men and 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 being that role model um, and, and showing them how to act in the world is the the best thing for them 100% and he's doing it so humbly if you go and watch videos of him talking to the the team members that he is trying to motivate and get out on the field every single day. And I can't think of a better role model to have as a young man than somebody who's made it despite whatever struggles they might have gone through and is now taking their time to stand in front of you here and help you on on your journey to do the exact same thing. So shout out to him. He does not deserve hate for anything that he said at all in that video in particular. Now we're going to move on to Katy Perry, who had a very emotional moment on the set of American Idol during an audition from a young man named Trey, uh, who was apparently a survivor of a school shooting. Now, this moment has gone viral now, many supporting Katy and saying what a beautiful moment it was. Others dogging on her and talking about how emotional she became and saying that she came on a little bit too strong here. So let's watch it and see what we think. Why are you doing Idol? Man, so American Idol, number one, is kind of where people that I enjoy make it. Um, Number two is, as I said before, I'm from Santa Fe, Texas. Um, In May 2018, um, a gunman walked into my school. Uh, I was in art room one, he shot up art room two before he made his way 
to Art Room 1. Uh, lost a lot of friends. Uh, eight, eight students were killed. Uh, two teachers were killed. And uh, it's just really been negative, man. Santa Fe's had a bad rap here since 2018. strong um, reaction. What you doing, Katie? Our country has failed us. Facts. Facts. This is not okay. You should be singing here because you love music. Giving side eye, but I'll tell you why not later. Not because you had to go through that I agree. You didn't have to lose eight friends. Just a little note here, and I could very well be wrong about this. It's just how I feel in the moment. When your emotional reaction is stronger than the emotional reaction than the, of the person who actually went through the event, you might want to tone it down just a notch. Even if that's truly how you feel, you might just want to tone it down just a little bit. I hope that you remind people that we have to change. Because, you know what, I'm scared too. It's terrible, Katie. It's horrible. They're comforting her. We have tolerated this. And not the kid who actually survived the school shooting. For so long. For too long. It's become a norm. We've got to change. True. I agree. And I hope you can just lead. You do for me that For myself, for my school, for you. Thank you. you. Yes, ma'am. Thank you. Yes, ma'am. All right. So that went viral. I just gave you my general thoughts on it. Probably should tone it down. If he's not crying and screaming about change, you might just want to let him let him do his thing and speak. Also, to say on all shows, American Idol, that we just want you here because you're able to sing. And that's the only reason we want you here. And it's not because we're trying to farm emotional stories from every single person who steps out on this stage. That is a lie. That is a lie. I know this because in the hometown that I grew up in, okay, uh, the most famous person there was on American Idol. And I believe he made it to about the top top 20, top 10 or so. And they do little pre-interviews before your audition. And they try to find the the saddest stories and mix them with the people who have you know a talent that will will shine through the story so they can couple it and create a a storyline around your audition where it makes america cry and then you sing and they cry harder so they are farming emotional experiences and trauma from the people who audition on the shows and then leverage the talent the singing talent that they have for what their true passion is with their trauma so what and i'm not accusing katie perry specifically of doing this of course it's a it's a collaborative effort of the people who produce uh, this show and put it together but that's exactly what american idol is for it's not for pure talent otherwise they would just let people sing they would do so blindly and uh, do their thing and they wouldn't tell you an ounce about where they grew up or what happened to them and what is really I think not cool about this at all is that it tells this young man that where you go from here on out you should define yourself by this story you should couple it with all the great things you do and it's going to help you go farther because people have this emotional visceral reaction to you and that's not to say that he shouldn't talk about what he's gone through because he's one of the few people in this world that has that experience and has something to speak to it but to couple that with something that you're super passionate about and you want to build a career on and have that be you know the the mountain that you go up to get there is just really sad and it's what american idol does with everybody you know a a young pretty girl comes up and she's like hi i'm katie and i want to sing for you guys and they're like hi so tell us about somebody in your life that died recently and then the girl cries and she talks about her father dying and then they make her sing and then it's this whole thing it's just i can't watch american idol for that reason alone it just irks me to to see it and even though this is a very important political issue and something that he should be able to talk about. And by all means, if American Idol gives him the platform to do it, do it. But it just seems like people aren't coming up there with their own choice in the matter of whether or not they tell these stories. They're told that, hey, this is going to make you go go farther here. And they know damn well before the judges come out and talk to them 
what their story is. I wouldn't be surprised if on the judges table they have a list of their auditions and underneath in little bullet points, it tells you what story each person is going to tell and it prompts them with the questions to get into it. That's my thoughts. And that's why I could not watch it, even though I love to hear people sing an audition and like, you know, have their golden ticket and, and go to Hollywood. It's just sad. It's just sad. So that's the moment. I don't really think anything about Katy Perry's reaction other than take it down from 10 to 5. The only Please. thing the only thing I would add is that it's interesting, you know, the pointing out, oh, our country has failed us as opposed to, you know, it, thinking that change comes from the top down as opposed from the bottom up, you know, changing yourself first so that change can come through into the world um, at a greater rate. Um, mm-hmm. It's just that that thinking that things somebody else can change this or it's somebody else's problem or they've created this issue. So like they need to change it as opposed to doing it yourself and and going forth into the world. Right. And maybe not identifying with it or asking people to identify with it. And a lot, of course, all the leftist leaning, leaning people are coming after Katy Perry and saying, didn't you vote for a Republican? So you're the one who created the, the situation that brought about his school shooting and just all this crazy stuff over yeah. over this. Yeah. And that, and that's the subtext is really, I mean, it, you know, on its face, like, yeah, like you said, you know, if this, this is a, a crazy story, it's a crazy trauma that this kid has been through the the issue of school shootings is obviously a massive issue, but yeah, this is obviously, it feels weird watching it because it is sort of an engineered moment for television. Um, and part of Katie's reaction feels a little bit, you know, I don't want to say it's not sincere or whatever, but even that it's like, why is, why is it that outsized emotional reaction? I think it harkens back to something Bill Maher said a minute ago that, you know, the worse you think things are, the better person that you are. And you're just, there's this pre-charged subtext in the air that, you know, this is a powder keg issue. And at the moment that it's brought up, it just, boom, the narrative's already pre-written. It's like, you know, when you see the latest viral video of a, of a police harassing someone unnecessarily, you just know that, oh, here goes the narrative. It fits, it fits the narrative. So let's blow it up. And, and then we can have the same old debates. And the, 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 the better part of the question is, you know, we, there, we, there's a time and a place to talk about solutions. There's a there's a time and a place for advocating about these issues. But it's just a strange dynamic to know that these moments are being manufactured for television. And at that point, it's like, is this is this exploitative of people's trauma? Is it exploitative of the actual issues that that people have been through and are going through? Or are we just reducing them to, you know, things to to score points with the other side or weave into the narratives that we want to weave into our programming uh, just to kind of push our agenda in some way some and, and as, as easy a way as we can and again we we should talk about the issue we should look for solutions we should you know give a give it a serious shake but it just there's something disingenuous about the whole thing that just i feel like makes this this whole thing kind of fall flat and, and makes you want to you know think twice before tuning into american idol next time yeah it's got a funky smell to it i'll give him that <laughs> now we'll close out on a lighter note i don't know if this is a lighter note but this Next story brought about a question for me, and that's how many people are getting terrorized by TikTok and OnlyFans creators in their neighborhoods. Now, I I remain on TikTok, although I don't think I'm a particularly you know belligerent TikTok creator. I don't think I'm causing any harm to the people who live in my uh, apartment area. <laughs> but this young girl apparently is. Here's the headline out of Daily Mail: "Quote, you're always in your window with your tits out." End quote. Watch as TikTok creator is confronted by her neighbor for the racy content she films at home. So it's pancake day. I am just about to go to the shop. I'm going to get some stuff. I'm going to film myself making some pancake. Oh, my God. Huh? Are you okay? I'm not being funny, but you need to stop now. You're being really loud. I'm sat in my garden. I've just come home from work and all I can hear is your gob. Oh, I'm really sorry. I'm just making a TikTok. I know, but you're always making TikToks. It's every day now. Well, yeah, because making TikToks is my job. So I've just come from my actual job and I really just don't want to hear it. If I can't hear you... She said, I just came from my actual job. It's every day now. Well, yeah, because making TikToks is my job. Well, I've just come from my actual job and I really just don't want to hear it. If I can't hear you, I can f***ing you. You're always stood in your windows where you out and I've had enough. I don't want to see it. I'm just letting you know, it's not just me that thinks it, it's the rest of the neighbours as well. 
Why are you looking if I'm stood at my knee? I mean, why am I looking? You're in your windows, they're clear. That's all I can see, all I can hear, all I can do is you. Every day. I've had enough. I'm sorry, I'm, I'm not trying to be nice, but I can't be doing with it. It's too much. I'm just letting you know you everyone off. <laughs> at first I thought this was staged because it was just like so she so perfectly just came after her. Also, I must note, if a woman with this accent told me off in this in this way, you would never see my face again. <laughs> you would never see my face again. The amount of embarrassment. Yeah, Brits really know how to bring it when they're insulting people. They really do. I would feel like garbage. I certainly would not film this, post it on TikTok, and uh, and post it for all of my viewers to see. I did go and look because I'm like, okay, what content is this girl really making? They're saying, oh, she's she's got her, you know tatas out in the window and her account on tiktok has been banned so she created a new account and she's like an OnlyFans creator and that's what she she does obviously not on tiktok you don't see her business but you can very much tell that that is uh her line of work so yeah if i've had enough i've, I've had what enough. accent is that was that like manchester i don't know let's hear it UK? one more you time tell us which uh, region it is well, yeah, because making tiktoks is my job well i've just come from my actual job yeah i don't know what what, what, what accent that is well i've just come from yeah. my actual job <laughs> <laughs> oh my gosh uh, i love it and i hate it like i feel bad for her that she's you know had this confrontation but also why do you have your your boobs out in the window where all your neighbors can see and then she's like oh well, why do you look what do you mean your window's wide open <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and I think any sympathy I would have felt for this girl has kind of gone out the window after she decided to post this exchange on TikTok because you just got a tongue lashing for, you know, always being on TikTok and you record that tongue lashing and upload it to TikTok. That's your first move right after that. So I don't know. Maybe she is clearly on the internet too much in uh, every way you can think of. Chronically online. Guys, I just thought you guys wanted to see that. <laughs> Don't really have any commentary outside of that. You're welcome. Someone commented, you guys never do any happy content. I guess that's as close as you're going to get today. <laughs> what? I feel like people tell us all the time that we're like the happy conservative stream. Well, maybe not, maybe not fully conservative. We're not, you know, all the way to the right. But I feel like people say you guys are like the happy, happier ones. The happy group. We try to be. I don't if know. We're not. Maybe not today. We we could play videos about rainbows and butterflies and people would be offended and get mad at us. So, you, know. <laughs> you can't win them all. You can't win them all. Uh, let's read some super chats here today. Diva Dawn, thank you for your super chat. says it's called the Fauci ouchie now. Are you sure it's not the jabbity jabbity stabbity stabbity? Because <laughs> pretty sure I've been hearing that for a while. Now. Make it so. Yeah. <laughs> Fauci ouchie. I'll, I'll take it. That, that works. Uh, Lord Geotron says Democrats trying to force the Hunger Games into existence on America's populace. This current administration is phase two of their plot. Seriously. I don't know. I don't know about such things. I will say <laughs> I love the Hunger Games. <laughs> Not that I want to live through the Hunger Games, but I do love the Hunger Games. And I can see the strong correlation between where we are now and uh, that book in particular. But I won't say that it's uh, a particularly partisan thing the hunger games is simply elites versus the non-elites and there's a lot of republican elites out there that are contributing to the same stuff not to say that it's fully on their side i will say the left-leaning progressive policy is a lot worse but <laughs> it starts to get a little difficult to divide once you get up there i will say more from lord geotron he says Biden is trying to unify all Americans in poverty. I'm American <laughs> first. Forget the color. M.A. straight A. It's not white privilege. It's American privilege. The past five Dem Democrat presidents <laughs> destroyed blacks. I wonder how you're voting, Lord Geotron. <laughs> Tell me how you really feel. Um, <laughs> yeah, I think that's that's it. Oh, in one more. How does one have virtue without believing in God? That we it would take far more than uh, a, a super chat time to answer that question in particular. Also, maybe I won't get into all this today, but I will say there's there's plenty of ways that one could have that uh, without believing in God. Although many may disagree, but if you like me and you like the show and you like the things that I stand for, all that came without belief in God. So, 
yeah, let me know. We we could do a whole video on that if you want to hear it. Uh, Taylor and Scott have opposing opinions on on the matter, of course, and uh, I'm willing to delve into that subject at a later date. Daisy says, "Please react." What do you say? I was going to say I love it all, then I was going to get the ones that you missed, but okay. you got to Daisy, so there you go. <laughs> I hope I got all of them. Daisy says, please react to Sav Says video on the drug problem in the U.S. I will have to check that out. I do like Savannah Hernandez. She's been on the show, and she's been on the show to talk about the drug problem in the U.S., so we do have a video on that here on the channel if you'd like to check it out, but I have not seen her, her recent work, although I did watch her on Ingram the other night. Oh, really? Thank you for your super chat. Amla, I heard LA's weather weather was snow. How was it? Yeah, so weird. I walked out of my front door the other day because I heard like light little like taps on the door. I was like, what is going on? And there was hail falling from the sky in LA, which is unheard of. And then other people said, you know, their cars had snow all over them and things, which is just a very cool, cool thing. I don't know if I anybody... got out just in time. Yeah, you did get out just in time. All, a bunch <laughs> of flights got canceled and stuff like that. But yeah, there was hail falling from the sky. It was very light. It, I wouldn't um, classify what I experienced as as snow, but I'm, I heard other people in different parts of LA got snow. Let's see. Did I miss any? Oh, no, one, one more. From Federated States of KMT said your host is your co-host is making it about race. So she's racist to her own, quote, race. So your offensive lineman comes with a two-parent's house and they aren't violent, right? SMDH. Huh? (laughs) (laughs) The reason it was made, the comment was made about race is because the tweet was talking about how Deion Sanders is a disappointment to other black men. That's why uh, we, we talked about it from the perspective of race, because people are accusing him of being racist. (laughs) <laughs> does that make sense mm-hmm. yeah and i and i just made the point that dion uh did not was not the one to invoke race in that conversation he was just talking about the standards that he has for his players uh, independent of race so i don't know um, so there we go. did you see even don says jibbity jabbity jabbity stabbity stabbity sounds technical <laughs> sounds a little bit too technical it is you know somebody who used to work in a, a, at a clinic it is uh very technical that's what I told patients. Let's see. <laughs> and then there's an I love Amala, I want to marry you from Captain Cisco. I appreciate that. <laughs> <laughs> My boyfriend, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> but thank you for the support. And then we got, uh, I think this is the last one, Elijah Pierre. Oh, no. Elijah Pierre says, still waiting on a Brett Cooper with Amala collab. We, we do have to make that happen. Never say never. Point. Never say like never. Justin Bieber. <laughs> Uh, Shimmer Shark Games says, hi, Amla, found your channel a few months ago and you've become my favorite channel to watch. Keep up the good work. That's so, so nice. Some positivity. Thank you. Yeah, we'll end the show on that very, very positive note. Guys, I hope you enjoyed hanging out with us today. Please like, subscribe, click the notification bell to be notified every single time we're live. And that might change. We might go to being live maybe one day a week and still posting daily content for you guys. So you always have a daily video of some sort. So do not be angry with us, but we want your input. If it does go to one day a week, what day of the week should that be? What day works best for you? Is this time 3 p.m. Pacific still good for you? Do you want a different time? Should we go earlier? Should we go later? You guys let us know down below. Do you guys really like the lives and you don't want to see the shorter content? Although it seems like on the YouTube end of things, you are far more responsive to the shorter videos than the longer lives. So that's what we're going off of is what you guys want to watch. So let us know down below what your thoughts are. And if we do go to uh, once a day and that does end up being a non-negotiable, what day do you prefer and what time of day do you prefer? We'll judge on the comments with the most likes and comments and where you guys are talking back and forth about it and uh, use your input to decide. If you want to sign up for our newsletter to get updates from me about what's going on in my personal life, like hitting the gym and doing ice baths, you see how buff my noodle arms look these days? That's pretty good. That's not bad at all. I got to give a shout out to Cam Haynes for the the beginner gains on that. I've been trying to keep up with them. We're doing arm day today. <laughs> You're going from angel hair pasta to linguine. Exactly. And soon, <laughs> soon to fettuccine, guys. Yeah. Soon to fettuccine. So I, I post what I'm doing in my personal life in the newsletters. If you want more content like this, uh, sign up for the newsletter and you'll get updates on the content that we put out. So if we start putting out those daily videos, you'll get updates on that as well. Also sign up for the Discord so we can have discussions, uh, you know, about 
all the different topics we talk about on the show. You can meet a new community of, of like-minded or at least similar people to you and some different if that's what you're looking for and friends those are on the discord as well and i believe that's it drop a comment down below on what you would do if your neighbor was running an OnlyFans that was bothering you and that you were seeing through the window would you cheer is this a win for some of you is this a big loss do you confront her with a british accent while she's in her car filming another tiktok let me know what your response would be and I'll end on this last super chat from one group who says, holy shit, caught my first live. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, guys. <laughs> right as it's ending. But thank you so much for joining. We appreciate you. Uh, we'll be back tomorrow with a video talking Gabrielle Union and Dwayne Wade winning the President's Award at the NAACP Image Awards for transitioning their child. So something to look forward to. Bye guys.